Russia-Ukraine war Ukraine claims another small gain as counteroffensive pushes on. Mark Santora Victoria Kim Stephen Erlanger Karan Demirji and Anushka Patel Matthew Pope Big. Ukraine claims that its forces have driven further into the Mokryili River Valley in the south of the country, announcing on Wednesday that they had retaken the tiny village of Yurizhane after Russian forces said they had retreated following more than a week of fighting. Retaking the village, which is in the Donetsk region, means that Ukraine now holds positions on both banks of the Mokryili River, opening up more options as its forces try to advance on Russian strongholds farther south. But the fact that progress in Kyiv's long-anticipated counteroffensive is now measured by the recapture of small villages reinforces how difficult the fighting has become. Yurizhane has been liberated, Hannah Maliar, Ukraine's deputy minister of defense, said in a statement, on Wednesday morning, one day after Russian forces and officials said they had been forced to retreat from the village. We lost Yurizhane, the Russian Vostok battalion, which took part in the battle, said in a statement on Tuesday. The claims were not independently verified. Each side claims to have inflicted deep losses on the other during heavy fighting, but neither offered an accounting of its own losses. The village, which had a population of under 1,000 before Russia launched its full-scale invasion of Ukraine in February 2022, has been left in ruins by fighting. Ukraine's ultimate goal is to reach the Sea of Azov and drive a wedge into the so-called land bridge between Russia and Crimea, a link that is vital to the Russian military supply routes to the west. If Ukrainian forces can drive deep enough into Russian-controlled territory to put Moscow supply lines at risk of direct artillery fire, they hope to make Russia's defensive positions untenable. Ukrainian forces now have several options for where to try concentrating their forces. They could attempt to push around the Russian-held village of Staromlinivka, about four miles south of Yurizhane, as they press to the southeast toward Berdyansk. Or they could direct their offensive to the southwest, toward Mariupol, if it appears to present a better opportunity. Both Mariupol and Berdyansk are major port cities more than 50 miles away on the Sea of Azov. Yet Russian forces control scores of small villages along both routes, making swift Ukrainian advances unlikely. The pace of the offensive has been slowed at every step by vast minefields, Russian attack aircraft and dug-in Russian forces. Russia's Vostok battalion said that after penetrating its defenses, the Ukrainians were driving to the east, toward the village of Oktyabrskoy. About seven units of armored vehicles, accompanied by infantry, are trying to find a new promising direction, the battalion said. The claim could not be verified, and Ukraine's military maintained silence about the movements of its soldiers. Colonel Petro Chernik, speaking at a news briefing by the Ukrainian military on Tuesday, said the Russians had set up formidable defenses across southern Ukraine, with the first line covered by vast minefields stretching across miles, a second line with artillery and concentrations of troops, and a third line of rear positions meant to preserve resources. Andrei Kovalev, a spokesman for the Ukrainian military's general staff, said on Wednesday that the country's forces also continued to make small gains along a second line of attack in southern Ukraine, pressing on Russian defensive lines around the town of Robotyne, about 50 miles north of Melitopol, a vital transit hub near the coast. The State of the War Ukraine's Counteroffensive after months of grueling combat, Ukrainian troops have made tactically significant advances along two major lines of attack, according to analysts, compelling Russia to divert forces from other parts of the front line.
Black Sea. By deciding to fire warning shots and board a freighter, Moscow made good, apparently for the first time, on its threat to treat Ukraine-bound civilian shipping as potentially hostile. Missing air power Without F-16 fighter jets from the West, can Kyiv's counteroffensive prevail? Most experts say yes, but it is likely to be far more difficult without the advanced aircraft. Russian forces attacked a Ukrainian port on the Danube River with drones early on Wednesday, damaging granaries and warehouses used to export grain, according to Ukrainian officials. The officials did not specify which port had been targeted. Ukraine's Air Force said it shot down 13 drones in the Odessa and Mykolaiv regions, primarily aimed at port infrastructure, but did not detail how many got through or whether the damage was caused by the debris of intercepted drones. A series of attacks along the Danube in recent weeks has caused alarm because some of the ports that have been targeted sit just across the river from Romania, a member of the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. The Danube Delta became an immediate alternative waterway for grain ships after Russia resumed its blockade last month of major Ukrainian ports along the Black Sea. But Russia soon began attacking the smaller ports on the Danube as well, bombing Ukrainian grain loading facilities there. On Sunday, Russian forces fired warning shots before boarding a commercial vessel heading to a Ukrainian port on the Danube, further increasing tensions around the Black Sea and continuing efforts to choke off Ukraine's food exports. Separately on Wednesday morning, three drones were shot down by air defenses in the Kaluga region of Russia, immediately to the southwest of the Moscow region, Russia's defense ministry said. The ministry said Ukraine was behind the attack, which could not immediately be verified independently. There have been more than a dozen attempted drone assaults in and around Moscow since May. Germany is hesitating about supplying its long-range cruise missile, the Taurus, to Ukraine. The Taurus is similar to the Anglo-French air-launched cruise missile called Storm Shadow, or Scalp, but flies at a low altitude, to avoid detection, while the others fly at high altitude. It has a range of over 300 miles and can fly as low as about 115 feet from the ground. But as with the debate that preceded the decision early this year to supply Leopard tanks to Ukraine, the government of Chancellor Olaf Scholz is reluctant to provide weapons that could be seen as escalatory or that could hit targets in Russia. Instead, the government is talking with the manufacturer about programming changes to limit the range of the Taurus, the German news magazine Der Spiegel reported. In this debate, too, Mr. Scholz seems to be following the line of President Biden, who has declined to supply Ukraine with longer-range Adams missiles, for the same reason, even though the range of the Adams is considerably shorter, about 185 miles. It was only when Mr. Biden reluctantly agreed, in January to supply Abrams tanks to Ukraine, for example, that Mr. Scholz was willing to greenlight the Leopards in what was presented as a joint statement. Mr. Scholz has repeatedly said that Germany will move in lockstep with its main NATO ally, the United States. On Friday, a German government spokesman said there was no new information on the status of potential Taurus missile deliveries to Ukraine, saying that Germany is focusing on heavy artillery, armored vehicles and air defense systems. There is no new information on the Taurus cruise missile. That official position had not changed as of Wednesday. The main opposition party, the Christian Democrats, has urged Mr. Scholz to send the Taurus to Ukraine. 
Norbert Rotgen, a senior lawmaker in the party, said that delivery of the Taurus was morally and politically urgent. To refuse Ukraine the missile, he said, in contrast to France and Great Britain, is completely incomprehensible and irresponsible. Mikhail Podolyak, a senior advisor to President Volodymyr Zelensky of Ukraine, told Germany's Bild newspaper that the Taurus missiles were crucial to Ukraine's efforts to fight off Russia. Seeking to ease concerns about the long reach of the weapons, Mr. Podolyak said they would be used exclusively on the territory of Ukraine within the internationally recognized borders of 1991, which of course includes Crimea, the peninsula that Russia annexed in 2014. HTTPS colon slash slash www.newyorktimes.com slash 2014 slash 03 slash 19 slash world slash Europe slash Ukraine.html. In general, Mr. Scholz has developed a reputation for hesitancy over military support for Ukraine and reluctance to push Russia too far into a corner. Nonetheless, Germany has provided Ukraine with sizable financial and military aid. According to the Kiel Institute for the World Economy, which tracks support for Ukraine, Germany is now the largest supplier of military aid to Ukraine after the United States. Finance Minister Christian Lindner, who leads the Free Democrats, a member of Germany's three-party coalition government, was in Ukraine on Monday and promised, we stand by Ukraine's side, shoulder to shoulder. He noted that since Russia's full-scale invasion of Ukraine in February 2022, Germany has provided Ukraine with humanitarian, financial and military aid totaling about 22 billion euros, or 24 billion dollars. This week, the government pledged a total of 5.4 billion euros in military aid to Ukraine this year and another 10.5 billion euros by 2027, a major commitment that requites parliamentary approval. A conservative group started a $2 million advertising campaign on Tuesday to build support among Republican voters for arming and aiding Ukraine in its war against Russia, as Congress gears up for a bitter fight over President Biden's latest request for funding to keep the assistance flowing. The Republicans for Ukraine campaign centers on a 30-second advertisement. It features a series of testimonials from GOP voters bemoaning that the party has not done more to help Kyiv beat back Russian aggression and decrying what they identify as sentiments of support for Russia's president, Vladimir V. Putin, by certain Republican operatives. The ads were paid for by Defending Democracy Together, an organization founded by the conservative commentator William Kristol, and are expected to be broadcast on Fox News during next week's Republican presidential primary debate. Billboards displaying snippets of individual testimonials are also being put up around Milwaukee, which is hosting the debate, and in New York's Times Square. I'm a Republican. I support Ukraine. GOP, Stand Up to Putin, reads one billboard featuring the words and face of Mike Beverly, identified as a Republican voter. The ads are being unveiled just days after the Biden administration appealed to Congress to approve an additional $24 billion in aid for Ukraine, $13 billion of which would be dedicated to military assistance. That amount is on top of the $113 billion that lawmakers have budgeted for the war effort to date. But the new request faces mounting hurdles, particularly with an increasing number of Republicans in Congress and in the electorate expressing skepticism or outright hostility toward the idea of sending more military and humanitarian assistance to Ukraine. 
In June, the House Speaker, Kevin McCarthy, under pressure from right-wing hardliners bent on slashing federal spending and who are generally opposed to the Ukraine war effort, said he was against appropriating supplemental funds for Kyiv. Then last month, a third of House Republicans voted to prohibit the administration from sending any more security assistance to Ukraine, and over 40 percent of the House GOP voted to strike a $300 billion security assistance for Ukraine from the annual defense bill. Since then, a CNN poll found that 71 percent of Republicans believe Congress should not authorize any additional funding for Ukraine. The GOP presidential primary field is also split on Ukraine aid. The frontrunners, former President Donald J. Trump and Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida, have expressed opposition to continuing to send military and humanitarian assistance to Kyiv. Candidates like former Vice President Mike Pence and Nikki Haley, the former governor of South Carolina, have urged support. Too many of the party's leaders seem to think there's no penalty to be paid for standing against Ukrainian democracy and America's role in supporting the fight for freedom, Gunnar Raymer, national spokesman for Republicans for Ukraine, said in a statement. We're here to remind them that there are a lot of Republicans across the country who stand with Ukraine. Ukraine will spend nearly $35 million to strengthen its lines of defense in two regions that border Russia and its closest ally, Belarus, the Ukrainian Prime Minister, Denis Shmihal, said on Tuesday. The funding for military engineering and fortification facilities was requested by the Kharkiv region in northeastern Ukraine and the Chernihiv region in northern Ukraine, Mr. Shmihal said, adding that the construction would strengthen the country's security and defense capability. He did not provide further details on the plans. Kharkiv is one of the most embattled regions of Ukraine. Russian forces waging a fierce offensive there have advanced in recent days, prompting fears among civilians in the city of Kupiansk, only 25 miles from the Russian border, that a second occupation could be coming. HTTPS slash slash WWW New York Times com slash 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 world slash Europe slash Kupianeska Ukraine Russia OCCU Patayon HTML action equals C Ken module equals RL Tedlin KSANDPG type equals article. Our border region suffers from constant shelling by the occupiers every day, the head of the Kharkiv Regional Administration, Oleg Senegubov, said in a statement thanking the Ukrainian government for the funding. Heavy Russian attacks across the region on Tuesday killed one person and injured at least nine others, he said, https colon slash slash t.me slash v slash 6834. The of region to the north faces another threat, it lies, directly along the land route, Russian forces used in February 2022 to launch their invasion from Belarus and press toward Kiev. The commander of Ukraine's joint forces, Lieutenant General Serhiy Neyev, reported several attempts by Russian sabotage groups to cross the border into the Chernihiv region in recent weeks, including on Tuesday. His claims could not be independently verified. Russia's Ministry of Defense released a video on Tuesday that shows part of a naval operation in which military personnel landed by helicopter on a cargo ship on the Black Sea in an inspection that Ukraine has condemned as illegal. The video, the second to emerge since the Sunday episode, has been verified by the New York Times. It appears to have been shot by Russian forces, in part from a head-mounted camera. Stop machine! Stop machine! A Russian officer, machine gun pointed, shouts in English at crew members as he walks through an open door onto the bridge of the cargo ship, the Sukruoken. Keep calm and listen to me. 
In the video, three crew members on the bridge stand with their hands on their heads. One leans over and presses a button on the ship's control panel, apparently to comply with the Russians' order by cutting the ship's engines. The three men follow orders to sit, dropping to their knees. Good day, sir, the Russian officer says to a man in jeans and a t-shirt who has identified himself as the ship's captain. I am a Russian Navy officer. My actions will be recorded on video. He orders the captain to speak in English, the main language of international shipping. None of the people shown in the video are identified by name. The Russian officer then demands to know why the ship had not stopped, pointing at a radio, apparently to indicate that a command to halt had been sent. The captain, speaking in halting English, replies bad understand. He appears to be blaming the ship's chief engineer, who he says has been in the engine room rather than on the bridge, for not complying with his order to halt. Russia's Ministry of Defense said on Sunday that its personnel had fired warning shots to get the ship to stop before the Navy helicopter landed, but that part of the episode is not recorded on either of the two videos. The videos provide the only visual evidence of the Russian operation, and it was not possible to determine the full scope of what took place. The earlier video, which was posted on Monday by military bloggers in Russia and news organizations and has been verified by the New York Times, shows a Russian helicopter approaching the vessel and the ship's crew sitting on deck in a position of surrender. The Sukro Oken sails under the flag of Palau, an island country in the western Pacific, but is owned and managed by a Turkish company, according to the shipping database Equisys. The forced inspection is apparently the first since Russia declined last month to extend a deal, allowing Ukraine to export its grain across the Black Sea. Since then, tensions have risen sharply in the Black Sea, one theater of the war in Ukraine. Russian attacks and the pressure on shipping aimed to sharply curtail Ukraine's ability to export its grain and other food crops, said Alexis Ellender, a global analyst at Plur, a commodities analytics firm. Mr. Ellender said that it appeared unlikely that Moscow would restore the Black Sea grain deal. In its absence, Ukraine has sought alternative export routes including its Danube River ports, but Russia launched strikes against two of those ports in recent weeks. Sunday's incident could raise shipping insurance premiums and freight costs, but shippers were unlikely to be deterred, Mr. Ellender said. It was not immediately possible to speak with the Sukru Okan's captain or the ship's owner. The ship had been bound for the Ukrainian river port of Izmail, according to Kiev and Moscow, but for the last 24 hours it has stood off the coast of the Romanian Danube river port of Salina, according to the Marine Traffic website.